wasn't speaking out of turn, but um, recently Martha Bramhall was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, they found out uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and they had yesterday or on Friday a uh, most of the day meeting with uh, cancer team up at Upstate uh, in Syracuse and. They say they got it early, and it's very small, so those are all good things, uh, but it's still now embarking on the unexpected, right, Cindy? Um, so uh, we have two ladies now that are kind of in a similar situation, and we need to uphold them in prayer uh, along those lines. So if you would uh, keep Martha and Paul in your prayers, that would be greatly appreciated. In fact, let's uh, take some time to remember these requests this morning that we've shared already. Um, let me just ask for three, it's on the back seat, pass, driver's side back seat. Um, so um, somebody want to remember the Fitzhugh family in prayer this morning? Uncle Bud and Aunt Sheila as they just kind of recover from their, or battle the old age thing. Ben, you've been her adopted uh, nephew, so uh, let you uh, remember them in prayer, Thanks. And then how about uh, for Virginia's requests related to her family, Lydia, her great-granddaughter battling with the seizures, and Anne having surgery on Tuesday. Who wants to remember those two in prayer? Thanks, Carl. Um, Let's put Cindy and Martha together. Who would want to remember those two requests, Cindy and Martha? Thanks, Dave. And uh, let's see, we uh, are going to put Dave, Bill's brother, his need of salvation, as well as his continued uh, battle with cancer, and then the Gridley family continue to re- continuing to recover from the COVID. Who's got that covered for us? Paul? Gridley family, and Bill's brother Dave in his cancer battle. And then who wants to pray for Samuel going to school tomorrow? And let's lump into that everybody else that is still going through the online uh, trauma of learning from home and all teachers and all of those kinds of things, school-related issues. Who wants to pray for those? Bill, would you catch that for us? All right, so let's go ahead. We'll start with Ben, and then it doesn't really matter what order we pray, um, but if you would, would pray, that would be great. Thank you very much. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the Fitzhughes and for the opportunity we have to fellowship with them, although we, we don't always know it and see it right away, but just for the, the opening you have made through the online worship that they can join us and, and participate and worship together and and just thank you for their notes and their encouragement and the time that they have poured back into the life of this church, even though uh, many of us have never met them face to face. Lord, we just pray that you would help with the, the struggles that are upon them, particularly today. And uh, we all know how those days go when things just are not what they ought to be. And we pray that you give them strength and encouragement through that and just give them an opportunity to come back later and enjoy your word as it's preached here in the next hour. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. 
before you, uh, Virginia and her family, and we just think of baby Lydia and her seizures, and we just pray, Lord, for wisdom for the doctors, help them figure out what's going on, and that your healing hand would be upon that situation. Pray for Anne and her upcoming surgery, that she would be with the doctors and her as well through that uh, situation, and just help them to resolve the issues and come out the other side stronger from it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Your family gathers together today. We think of our sisters, um, Cindy and Martha, with their cancer diagnosis. We know it's a time in her life of uncertainty, but we know that you are certain. We put our trust in you that your hand will be upon their medical staff that will treat them and that you will bring about full healing. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I thank you today for this chance that we can get together and worship. I thank you for your love, and I thank you that you hear our prayers when we, when we speak them to you, Lord. And when we pray amongst a group of believers like this, we know it's especially potent. Lord, we uh, pray for the Gridley family today. We pray for their health. We pray for their peace. We pray that they glow, grow closer to you every day, Lord. You know their needs, Lord. You know what what uh, you need to do to comfort them and give them strength, Lord. And we ask that you uh, can do that for them, Lord. Now, Lord, we also pray for Bill's brother and that cancer diagnosis. Uh, Lord, we know how challenging that can be and how scary that can be. But, Lord, uh, if Bill pulls close to you, you'll give him strength and peace and comfort that only a true believer can have, Lord. And uh, I can thank you through our trials that you've given us that peace and love and comfort to know that you are in control, Lord, and you are the one that will take care of us in our time and our hour of need. Now, Lord, we thank you for these things. We thank you for this wonderful group of believers that we can share our, our faith with today, and we pray for this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord, for the day that we've come before you uh, as believers. We thank you and praise you, Father, for school, uh, for the kids and learning and understanding. We pray for Samuel as he goes back for the first time. And, uh, and I pray, Father, that you'll give him a calm heart and uh, give him your spirit for the day as he goes uh, forth and help him to be a witness and a testimony before the other students. And uh, he has a great message of knowing Jesus Christ and may share it with his classmates and, uh, and give him every opportunity uh, and peace and calm uh, to go into school again uh, and just to see friends and people that he's known and just to bring back some of those joys to his life. And I pray for all of our learning, the online, and uh, as my kids, uh, Father, as they do all their work uh, from home, we thank you for that opportunity as well. As a family, we can be together throughout the day, and they have learned many things being home and in school, and we thank you for both these opportunities. And uh, help us, Lord, to take the time as we've slowed down this nation um, because of all the sickness and things that have been going on, that we can just enjoy our families a little bit more. And we thank you for these challenges, and we thank you for the love that we have in you. And we just pray that no matter where we are, at home, at work, um, at school, 
that you would help us that know Jesus to be a testimony to you. And we pray as we open the word of God, help us to understand it and to apply it to our lives as you see we need, as it's been gifted to us by you. Uh, you give us the growth. So we thank you for these things and for all that you do for us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right. Thank you uh, for praying for those uh, prayer requests. And, <clears throat> you know, I mentioned that uh, thing about getting older. Yesterday I had all my stuff done ahead of time, except for the proclaim slides. So, Ryan, you're at ease. You're, you're, don't take the rest of the morning off. Keep listening to us. Um, but you're not going to see any slides flashing up on the screen this morning to fill in the blanks. So maybe that means you have to pay a little close, more close attention to what we're going through this morning. Uh, but anyway, we'll make through our time together as we continue in our worship looking into God's Word. I still want to have people come to the microphones and read. So even though the, 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 Verses won't be on the screen. You can bring your Bible. They're already on your note page. So pick out a verse that's on your note page and uh, get ready to read it. I will go ahead and read Psalm 112, verse 4, when it comes to that one, because I would like to have it read out of a particular version, version that being the, the ESV. Uh, so as we get to that one, I will read that one. But um, look at those verses down there uh, at the top of your page and pick one out. If somebody picks yours, that's okay. Just jump on to another one, okay? So we're going to continue our study in the attributes of God this morning, and we're getting close to the end of that study on the attributes of God. Um, We've got a few more to consider, but I'm pretty sure that we covered all of the ones that you requested we cover when we started this uh, several months ago. If we perhaps missed one, please resubmit that. You can send it to me via text or message or just hand it to me on a piece of paper on your communication card or something like that. Uh, If there was an attribute that you wanted to consider and we didn't get to it, uh, please let me know what it is. For our online viewers, if you have an attribute that we haven't covered yet, uh, feel free to share it in the comments uh, as you listen this morning, uh, and we'll take that under consideration as well. This morning, the attribute that we're going to consider features greatly in the Psalms. So, as I mentioned, we're going to read several verses from the Psalms this morning that talk about the attribute of Well, we'll read a couple psalms. After the first reading, it'll be very clear what the attribute is. But let's go ahead. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. Psalm 145, 8 and 9. Mr. Levi. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All right, Levi read it twice in that passage of Scripture. We're going to be talking about the mercies of God this morning. Psalm 13, verse 5, or whatever one you got, Chloe, sorry. But I have trusted thy voice, my heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. And what one was that, Chloe? Okay, so when you step up to the mic, tell us what the one, what verse you're reading. Uh, that would be helpful to all of us as well. Who's got another one for us? Carl? Psalm 27.7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. The psalmist asking for mercy, crying out to God, asking him to be a one who grants mercy to him. Ben, what you got for us? Psalm 103, verse 8. 
The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. Slow to anger, plenteous in mercy. Aren't you glad that God's mercy never runs out? We would be in trouble if his mercy ran out, but according to the psalmist, it, he's plenteous in mercy. He never runs out. Kelly, which one you got for us? 25.6. Okay, Psalm 25.6, go ahead. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. All right, this is not something new with God. His mercies are from of old, okay? It's part of his character traits ever since the beginning of time and even before then. Next one, Dave's got one for us. Psalm 31, verse 7. I will be glad and rejoice in my mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble, thou hast known my soul in adversities. Glad God knows the struggles that we face, and when we face those struggles, he pours out his mercy upon us. Psalm 112, verse 4 says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright, He, God, is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Again, it's evident that it's one of his character traits. Caleb, what do you got for us? Psalm 25, 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. All right, for those who are in a covenant relationship with our great God, they understand and know his mercies well. Samuel, which one? Psalm 33, 10. Behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. All right, the merciful God who loves us and cares for us. Any others? Um, Psalm 40, verse 8. 11. 11. 11. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually continually preserve me. Thank you, Levi. Leah? Psalm 33, 18. Behold the eyes... Of the Lord on its on sorry. Behold the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Okay, that idea of steadfast love is the idea of mercy. And we hope in that mercy. We're so thankful that the hope is not a wish, but it's an absolute certainty for us. All right. Thank you for those who have read. As I said, our focus this morning is going to be on a psalm. We're going to stay in the psalms this morning on a psalm that is considered to be a psalm of praise. So all of these verses that we've read so far talk about the mercy of God. But the psalm we're going to focus on this morning is every verse talks about the mercy of God. You may be thinking in your minds what that passage of scripture already is. It's Psalm 136, so if you haven't made your way there yet, go ahead, Psalm 136. This psalm, uh, the Hebrews used to refer to this psalm as the great halal, 
Okay, halal is the word that we get our word hallelujah from. Anybody know what the word hallelujah actually means? What is it? What is, what is the direct interpret or tr- translation of the word hallelujah? Anybody know? Close. Praise ye Yah. Okay, now we're not speaking in tongues here this morning. We're just using some of the old Hebrew language. Praise ye Yah or Yahweh. Um, this halal, this psalm of 136 is an anthem of praise. And they used to sing it uh, as, as, a, as an act of worship to God. The psalm we're considering this morning and concentrating on this morning talks about the wonderful mercy of God that was evident in the history of the Hebrew nation. And as a result, as they look back over their history, they wrote this psalm of praise. David wrote this psalm of praise as a response to him for his great mercy that he pours out on them continually. There's a song on the radio today, and I'm not going to play the song because I think some of you might not like the music that surrounds the song, Uh, but I'm going to read the words of the song to you anyway because I think it does a great job of capturing this idea of praising God. This song was born out of a deep deep distress over the serious illness of a child. And as God was working and demonstrating his mercy in the situation, the song took shape and God was praised even before the outcome was known. Here are the words to the song called Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel Music. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. You see, therein lies our hope. And the mercy of God is seen so great in the fact that death, which held us in its grip, which was our enemy, is defeated And the King, our Savior Jesus Christ, is alive. And because that's true, the song goes on to say, I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. I will watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The king is alive. And then there's a little bit of a, a going back and forth here between in the song where the first line says, sing a little louder, and then there's an echo. In the presence of my enemies, sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder, in the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder, louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder, my weapon is a melody or a song of praise. Sing a little louder, heaven comes to fight for me. You see, what should the mercy of God result in in our lives? It should result in worshiping 
our great God. Even in the midst of adversity, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of those things where we cry out for God and say, God, I need your mercy. And he displays that mercy greatly to us. We should respond in worshiping him. The song that I just read is a lot like Psalm 136, uh, and we're going to focus on this psalm this morning. The way the Hebrews read this song, it was very liturgical, um, and by that we mean that the worship leader would read or sing the first part. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. The worship leader would read the first part, and the congregation would respond to what the worship leader read with their answer. We're going to read Psalm 136 like that this morning. I'll read the first part of the verse, and you will respond with the second part of the verse. Uh, You'll soon have your part memorized. I'm going to ask Ben, if you'd step up to a microphone over here, and Mark, if you'd step up to the microphone over here, and kind of lead in the response. Um, Your response is going to be, for his mercy endures forever. So just keep your passage of scripture open to Psalm 136. I'll read the first part. Ben and Mark will lead you in the response with your part. Psalm 136, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. For his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders. For his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens. For his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters. For his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights. For his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule the day. For his mercy endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule by night. For his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. For his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. For his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his armies in the Red Sea. For his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings. For his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan. For his mercy endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage. For his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant. For his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our lowly state. For his mercy endures forever. And rescued us from our enemies. For his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh. For his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. For his mercy endures forever. Thank you.
His mercy endures forever. God's mercy never ends, never runs out. Whose mercy endured forever? God's mercy endured forever. And since we've seen it so many times in this psalm, let me ask you a question. What is mercy? What is mercy? You may have heard this definition for mercy before. Not getting what you deserve. And that's not a bad definition for the word mercy, but I think there's more to it as well. Here's what the Hebrew word mercy refers to. It's a noun, or we could say a character trait, that indicates kindness, loving kindness, mercy, goodness, faithfulness, love, or acts of kindness. The AMG Complete Word Study Dictionary makes this comment about worship. It says, this aspect of God or this attribute of God is one of several important features of his character. Truth, faithfulness, mercy, steadfastness, justice, righteousness, goodness. All of those things are wrapped up in this idea of God's mercy. You can't have mercy and then just blowing off sin, right? There's got to be an accountability. There's got to be a, a, a payment for that sin. So it's all wrapped up in this idea of mercy. And we'll see that as we look at this psalm this morning and consider some other things. Um, now, as we read the psalm, perhaps you noticed the different themes in the psalm. Let me point out to you what those themes were, and then we'll take a more in-depth look at the different mercy thoughts that the psalmist praised God for. In verses 1 through 3, we saw the full, uh, it was full of thankfulness to God for who he is. In verses 4 through 9, we talked about creation, or the psalmist wrote about creation. Verses 10 through 22, the exodus. Then verses 23 through 25, God's care and provision. And in verse 26, again, back to where the psalmist started with thanksgiving to our great God. Now, um, as you can see, it's, this is an exciting thing to talk about when we talk about the mercy of God. It benefits all of us. Now, before we turn uh, to that particular psalm and get into our study in depth this morning, I want to ask God to bless our time together in his word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, uh, and we want to start right off by saying thank you for your great mercy your mercy withholding from us what we rightly deserved. Every one of us in this room, every one of us listening online, every man, every woman who has ever walked on the face of the earth deserved to be separated from you for all of eternity in a place called hell. But in your great mercy, you have called individuals to be rightly related to you through the work of your Son, on the cross of Calvary. For that, we raise a hallelujah. We say thank you, God, and thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to suffer and to endure the wrath of the Father in our place so that we might know your great mercy, your tender love. What a great God you are. As we continue in worship this morning, we ask that you would bless our time in your word as we consider the never-ending mercies of the one true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, in verses one through three, we see the reality of praise, and that's made in a call for thankfulness. The psalmist says here that God is good. God is good. And Caleb, what do we say at the end of that? Is Caleb back there? Did he sneak out? He, he would automatically say, God is good. 
That's right. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of the outcome, God is always good. Never is he anything contrary to being good. He is good because, um, and because he's good, our response to that is, thank you, God. We give thanks to him for his goodness. Notice the word the psalmist uses here for Lord. He uses the word for Jehovah God, the promise-keeping God, the covenant-keeping God, the one who, when he makes a promise or says he will do something, he does it. No matter what, no matter what, he always does what he says he will do. And as a result, the psalmist says, you are good, O God, because you keep your promises. He does what he says he will do, and he always does what is best for his children. For you and I, those who know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can be confident that Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is true in our lives. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. When you get the result back of that COVID test and it says you're positive, you might not think it, you might not understand it at the moment, but it's for the good that God has called for in your life. Maybe it's the good that he wants you to slow down and realize he's in control and he's working all things according to his plan and whatever happens as a result of this, he will do what is right in your life. You've prayed many times for my friend Lee Cleaver, who is the head of our uh, theological education system uh, that we're starting with the Northeast Fellowship. Lee almost died from COVID-19. But you know what? He gives a testimony today that talks of the goodness of God and how God brought him through the darkest times of that battle. And even if God had chosen to take him home in that battle, God would still be good. And Lee would be the first to tell you that. And so we praise God for the goodness of our great God. Even when things might not appear to be good, let's remember and let's never forget that God is indeed good. We also see in these first three verses of Psalm 136 that God is the God of gods. So as a result of him being the God of gods, we give thanks. Now, let me be quick to say that just because the psalmist says he's the God of gods is not agreeing that there are other lesser gods that deserve some sort of worship, okay? There are other lesser gods and we have them in our lives and if we're honest, sometimes we let them come between us and the one true God. Those other gods, though, have no power, absolutely no power. There is one true God and this one true God is the living God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of you and I today who have put our faith and trust in him. He is the only living God. He is the only God that we should pray to and ask uh, for his will to be done in our lives. Other people claim that there are other gods. We can't change that claim. But when compared to the one true God... The truth is, or the fact is, that those other gods fall far short of who our God is. In fact, they fail every time in comparison to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In a bit, the psalmist will move into some some of what makes the one true God the only God. And, and, And you know what? Our God is the one true God, the only God who grants salvation. 
There's another song that I really like. It's written by New Song. Um, and it reminds us of the truth that our God is indeed the one true God. It starts off with the chorus, and the chorus says, You are the one true God, the King who reigns on high. No one will deny at some point. Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God is the one true God. No one will deny you are the one true God. Time only, time will only prove that you and only you are the one true God. When the dust has settled and this world is no more, every saint and sinner will confess that you are Lord. Everyone will, some will kneel as children, some as conquered foes. Everyone from every age will bow before the throne because you are the one true God. Verse two says, earthly kings and kingdoms rise and have their day. Like a mist they linger, then forever fade away. There is none so mighty, not one that compares to your majesty and glory. Lord, the universe declares you are the one true God. Awesome and holy, you're the one true God. Faithful and able, you're the one true God. Matchless and mighty, you are the one true God. That's who our God is. The only God who exists that can change and alter the course of a man's life and, in fact, alter time and has eternity held in the palm of his hands. That's who our God is, the one true God. The psalmist also says in Psalm 136 that he is the glorious Lord of lords. And because he's the glorious Lord of lords, we give thanks. Now, Same thing is true with the other gods. Others may have other lords in their lives, but the Lord God is the one who should be Lord of our lives. In fact, this idea of lordship is really proof of our salvation. If people can look at your life and see that you have made the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, then there will be no question to the authenticity of your salvation. Take your Bibles quickly and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 with me, if you would. Deuteronomy chapter 10, the last of the five books of the Pentateuch. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17. Moses declares this. Actually, it's a comment of the Lord's the Lord's character assessment of himself. He says, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. God is describing himself here, or maybe we could say that he is defining himself. So think about this with me. If, and we know that it is true, if our Lord is God of gods, which means there is no other God like him, there is no other God who is alive, and if Our Lord is Lord of Lords, and He is. It means that He's the sovereign master over all His creation. Then we should want Him to be the master of our lives, the Lord of our lives. I should want God to be my Lord. I should want Jesus Christ not to just be one who shares a place in my life, but is the master of my life. John Thompson gives us some good thoughts on this verse. He says, The remarkable accumulation of titles for God in verse 17 was designed, no doubt, to emphasize the uniqueness 
absolute supremacy and total sovereignty of Yahweh over every other power in the universe. Yahweh is God of gods and Lord of lords. In other words, the supreme God, the supreme Lord, the unrestricted ruler over all powers in heaven and in earth. This, my friends, is who our God is. Can we just say amen to that? The reality of praise because of the mercy of God calls us to make God the Lord of our lives and to serve him with who we are. Remember the phrase that the congregation of Israel responded with? What was it? His love endures forever. His loyal love, his steadfast mercy endures forever. Wow, we got that in the first three verses of that psalm. Verses 4 through 25, the next section of that psalm, gives us the reasons for praise. The reasons for praise. As the psalmist thought about the Lord's loyal, enduring love, certain things came to his mind. In verses 4 through 9, we see the things that are called the acts of creation, if you will. The acts of creation. The the things that God created and brought into existence. Uh, The psalmist describes them. He says, he does great wonders. If you look around you and see the things that God has created. In fact, you know, we have boiled things down very simply in our culture. We say we have the seven wonders of the world. They, They took the place of the seven wonders of the ancient world. If we were serious about it, we could look around and we would understand that there are more than seven wonders. But like the psalmist says, he does great wonders. Some of those wonders, like Niagara Falls. How many have been to Niagara Falls? Most of us have been to Niagara Falls. We go there and we just really kind of stand in awe of the majesty of that water that rushes over the cliff down to the bottom. And we say, wow, how awesome our God is to be able to create something like this. How many have been to the Grand Canyon? A little further away, not as many have been there. But you know what? You look at that thing, and it's just, it's bigger than, I've never been there, but I I can only imagine that it's bigger than what I really think it is when you get there. How deep it must be, how wide it must be. I mean, I was growing up when Evil Knievel jumped across it on his motor, his his rocket-propelled motorcycle, okay? How, you know, that kind of makes it seem small, but the, the great chasm across, it's awesome, We lived a couple miles from a table mountain. What an amazing wonder that was. No matter how many times we walked to the end of our driveway or even went, rode the cable car to the top of that, no matter how many times we looked at that mountain, it seemed to take on a different look. Just an awesome part of God's creation. He created great wonders, things that are beyond our even ability to think to bring them into existence. And yet God simply spoke them into existence. The acts of creation is one of the reasons that we praise God. He used his wisdom to make the heavens. You look up in the heavens. I remember as a, as a young boy laying down on the grass when a, when a front was running through our, our town a cold front or something, and these massive clouds just rumbling, rolling over top of each other, and he's like, wow, 
that's, that's, that's just crazy. That's incredible. And you just, you're in awe of what God does. He says he laid out the heaven above, sorry, he laid out the earth above the waters. He made great lights. What kind of lights did he make? Well, he's very specific. He said he made the sun to rule the day and the moon and the stars to rule the night. You know, when we stop and think of the intricacies of creation and how everything just works together perfectly, that's why we have springtime and harvest. Aren't you glad that we don't have to endure 12 months of winter? Even, even the one who likes winter says, yes, I'm glad we don't have to endure 12 months of it. Aren't you glad that because of God's great creation, we have springtime and harvest. We have summer and winter. We have day and night. These things, it's, if you and I were to come up with something that resembles the, the world, we would have left lots of things out. Oops, sorry, we got, 12, we got 24 hours of night. Uh, missed that one. You see, God has it all figured out. Nothing is beyond his ability. We have high tides and low tides. Sometimes we would go down to the ocean uh, and we would, we would see that, man, this, <laughs> the shoreline is really wide this morning. Why? Because we were at low tide. And then we would go a little bit later in the day and we would see that there's not very much shoreline at all. Why? Because it's at high tide. That's what controls us, the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun and those kinds of things. God had it all figured out. It wasn't by chance. No wonder the psalmist says, he, he's done great wonders. The acts of creation remind us how mighty, how powerful, how awesome our God is. And then we move on to verses 10 through 22 of this psalm, and we see the awe of the Exodus. What a story. The Exodus, bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. The psalmist says, to him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. Not to mention the 11 plagues that led up to the death of the firstborn. All of those plagues reminded us that God is what? He's in control. It wasn't the Egyptian deities that were in control. It wasn't the frogs that they worshipped or the lice that they worshipped or the, the Nile River that they worshipped. All of those things were under God's control and God showed them that with every act that led up to the death of the firstborn. He who struck Egypt in their firstborn and brought out Israel from among them. Not only did he strike the Israelites and make it, or the the Egyptians and make it possible for them to say, you guys, you please just get out of here. Leave. We don't want you here anymore. The children of Israel left and they plundered, not in a bad way. The Egyptians gave them gifts to say, here, take this and go. Get out of here. He brought them up from Israel. It would have been a failure for God to do those amazing acts on the people of Egypt and then to leave Israel in Egypt. He didn't leave them there. He brought them out with a mighty hand, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, the psalmist says, to him who divided the Red Sea in two. I love the story. You know you've heard me tell it to you many times. They had no place to go but forward, and forward was the Red Sea. Uh Uh-oh bit of a problem here, God. What are you going to do? God said, no problems. 
And he parted the Red Sea. And he dried up the ground. They walked through the Red Sea at flood stage on dry ground. Awesome and holy. That's who our God is. He overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Again, God wasn't into doing things part way, halfway. When the Israelites got on the other side of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army got into the middle of the Red Sea, the entire army got into the middle of the Red Sea, God closed up the Red Sea as if to swallow the Egyptian army in the waters. That makes us understand that there wasn't just this much water that God parted, okay? The walls of water were surrounding the Israelites as they crossed through on dry ground. So much so that when the entire Egyptian army was in the midst of the the crossing, God closed up the waters and not one of them escaped. What a great God. Who led his people through the wilderness. 40 years of wandering. They didn't have to buy a pair of shoes. They didn't have to buy a new robe. They didn't have to go grocery shopping. God supplied for them every, literally every step of the way. Who struck down great kings and slew famous kings. Who were they? Sihon, king of the Amorites. Og, the king of Bashan. Two of the most powerful kings of the day. God struck them down. It wasn't even a difficult battle. God took care of it just like that. In fact, you know what else God did? God gave the land of, of, of the Amorites and the Bashanites to the people of Israel. Not only did he strike them down, but he gave the land to Israel as a heritage. Can you imagine being alive as an Israelite in those days and telling your kids and your grandkids those stories? Oh, man. Must have given you goosebumps. Now, we've made up superheroes to tell stories to our kids. But the Israelites told superhero stories about their God. Wow. What a great God. Verses 23 through 25, the psalmist talks about our adoration for his intimate care of his children. We adore God because he cares for us. The psalmist says, who remembered us in our lowly state. Now, he's not talking about your bank account balance when he talks about lowly estate. You know what he's talking about when he talks about our lowly estate? He's talking about the fact that we had nothing to hope for. We had nothing to count on to bring us into a right relation, to make us good people. There was nothing that could make us good and right. We were bankrupt when it came to being right before God. We couldn't go up to God and say, God, here's what I have to offer. God would say, sorry, that's filthy rags. Doesn't work. In our lowly estate, God remembered us. God rescued us from our enemies. Not only the physical enemies of the, those in the land surrounding the Israelites, but he rescued them from all the enemies. He gives food to all flesh. Can I tell you how much a joy it was to drive around on Wednesday night and drop off food boxes to people who were in need? That wasn't me supplying those food boxes. That was God supplied those. And you know what? I never sought out the, central, the food bank of central New York to provide these food boxes. 
They came to us. Why? Because it was part of God's plan. I get phone calls. I get emails from people. Hey, can we give you this stuff for your next food bank distribution? Absolutely, we can get rid of it. We can, we, can, we can help meet the need of people in our community. We might say, well, that's an easy way for, to supply the need. Yeah, but you know what? It comes from the hand of God. Because we didn't seek out these opportunities. God brought them to us. And you know what? I, I tell you this every month. There's a gospel witness that goes out every month in those food boxes. And you know what? At the right moment in time, God is going to bring that little track that gets put into the hands of somebody as they're waiting to do what God wants his word to do in their lives. God's word never returns void. It always accomplishes what he sends it out to accomplish. We adore him for the way he cares for us. Isn't it a blessing to experience such great care from the hand of almighty God? And so as a result, we say, thank you, God. For your care. You know, the fact that you wake up every morning and are able to go and do the job that you have to do, that God provided for you, or the, the fact that you wake up each morning and are the recipient of the blessings of the work that you have done in the past and you've been able to retire based on that, that's because of God's great hand, God's great mercy in your life. Well, we close things off very much the way we began. The repetition of thanksgiving in verse 26. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, to the God of heaven. There's only one God who deserves our thanks and our praise. That's the God of heaven. When people say to me, Pastor, that was a wonderful message, I say, praise God. Thank the Lord. Listen, I tell you, you've heard me say it. It's because I've got great source material. I can't come up with this kind of stuff on my own. If I didn't have the source material, the word of God to start with, I'd be up here like a blabbering idiot. Some of you might think that's the case anyway. But you know what? Because it starts here with God's word, it's edifying to those who hear it. And so you know what we say? We don't say, oh, well, well done, pastor. We say, to God be the glory. Thank you, God for what you are able to take in our abilities. And even the, even the fact that I can stand up here and talk to you about God's word or from God's word, that's an ability from God. I know that there's some folks out here who would love to stand up here and talk, but say, uh-uh, that's not for me. <laughs> I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That's not what God has gifted you. But to use the gifts that God has given to you is just as important for it is for me to stand up here and expound on God's word. So don't sell yourself short. Use those gifts that God has given you in your service to him. And then you can say, as I say, to God be the glory. Praise God. Thank you, God. You understand here that David says, to the God of heaven. David is calling out the God of heaven. He's pointing out which God, what God it is that has provided for the good things that we enjoy. David is ruling out any other possible small G God. 
He's talking about the one true God, the God of heaven. And so as we looked at verse 1, we saw that we gave thanks to the God of gods. Now we're giving thanks to the God of heaven. We close out this psalm the same way by giving thanks to the one true God for his mercy, which is displayed in so many different ways. The mercy of God. God withholding punishment that we deserve. Now, let me remind you again that he's not excusing our sinfulness. He's simply withholding our punishment because a payment was made that satisfied the just requirement of a holy God. There's a passage in Ephesians, and even though we're in the conclusion, I want to share this passage with you. It makes this very clear. It's just prior to those amazing two verses in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 2. Um, verse 4 uh, through verse 7 reminds us about the mercy of God. Paul writes this. He says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved and he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness his mercy toward us how in Christ Jesus You see, those two traits, grace and mercy, they go hand in hand. And what a blessing it is to know that God gives us his mercy and his grace. I love the description from gotquestions.org about this phrase being rich in mercy. It says that it's a counterbalance to the description of humanity being rich in sin. God is rich in mercy, which is such a blessing because we are rich in sin. Even when we don't want to sin, we find ourselves sinning. Remember that whole thing that Paul went through? The things I don't want to do, that I end up doing. The things I don't want to say, I I end up saying all of that. How? Who shall deliver me from this wretched body of sin was his outcry. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. That quote from God Questions goes on to say, Only a God rich in mercy would conceive a plan to save and redeem such wicked creatures. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness extended to someone who deserves punishment or harm. Mercy is indeed undeserved pardon. Mercy is the only explanation for Christ's great sacrifice on our behalf. Mercy. What a great trait that God bestows upon mankind. And you know what? Even in general, even unbelievers to some degree, to actually to a large degree, are recipients of God's mercy. But we need to pray for our unbelieving friends and family and loved ones who have not been uh, recipients of God's intimate grace that brings them into a perfect, right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Those of us who know him and follow him, we understand the amazing mercy of our great God. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and really all we can say is what the psalmist said. Thanks be to God for your great mercy. Father, we sit here this morning, we stand here this morning as sinners who have been redeemed. Sinners who have been made right with you. Sinners whose account which was outstanding and we could never pay it in full, has been written off 
because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, a demonstration of the greatest act of mercy ever. Father, this morning, again, we say thank you for the great God that you are, the one who's provided a place in eternity by your side. We're humbled, and we're grateful, and we're thankful. To God be the glory, because you do great things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark's going to come and lead.